You're fired. 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 Hey everybody, we're gonna start. So if you're um, if you're in the weird little vestibule there, that kind of area of where where nothing seems to be happening, and you want to come in, come on in. And I think there's some um, empty seats up front. Um, yeah, the white people in the back, come on forward. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> you just ruined it. Um, <laughs> uh, I would like first of all to thank uh, National Review Institute for having us. Um, if you don't know. I'm Rob Long, this is Jonah Goldberg, John Panoritz, and we do a, uh, a podcast about uh, twice, three times a month called, uh, because we had no other name to call it, called the Glop Podcast, Goldberg, Long, Panoritz, in case you wanted to know. By the way, anybody who has a better idea for the name of the podcast, just jump right in. Um, it's Glop so, Culture. Glop, Glop culture. culture. So it rhymes yeah. with pop culture. That's, I guess. Yeah. As you will see, so we are going to talk about yeah. insignificant and immaterial matters low, very low. This right. is the low portion of the of the conference. Yeah, the high this class is the anti-ideas summit. <laughs> uh, so it will sound a little bit like some for some of you like a little old-time radio. This is a podcast. We are recording this. And uh, we have, uh, this is, hey, this is the free market at work, my friends. We have sponsors. So at some point, this will turn into old-time radio, and that time, the first time it will turn into old-time radio is right now. The Glop Culture Podcast is brought to you by Casper Premium Mattresses. Premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. They are delivered to your door. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry. They are disrupting the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. And by, remember that? And by. And by. Harry's Shave. Harry's Over, Shave. Are you overpaying for drugstore razors? That's a bad habit, and you should leave, behind, leave it behind. Make the smart switch to Harry's. We'll talk about that later. Right now, I just want to talk about one thing. 1994, I did a National Review Institute event here in Washington. Uh, I, uh, I was the MC, and one of our speakers was Larry Kudlow, who uh, 25 years ago looked exactly the same. Uh, which I find suspicious. I think we got to get into that. Um, I'd also, I, and unfortunately, 25 years it's ago. It's funny because he has a painting in his closet <laughs> yeah, right. that looks just like John Maynard Keynes now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 25 years ago, uh, Jack Fowler didn't look the same. <laughs> just to be fair. So I thought I'd kick it off. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, welcome, uh, we have some Ricochet members here, the Reagan members are here in the audience. Hello. Um, and so we thought it would be a little more formal um, this time. Uh, and so I, uh, I asked for a, just for a kickoff question, and I got a question um, from one of America's great leaders uh, with a great political future. He wants to know this from Jonah. Jonah Goldberg, you are a disgrace. You are what is bringing National Review down. You're pathetic and sad. When are you resigning? Now or later? <laughs> uh, for you those made of you, a huge, you got a huge, huge mistake. <laughs> what are we talking about, Jonah? So explain why, how could you possibly have offended America's most 
Beloved. Beloved. Yeah. Beloved. And fearless political figure who fires people on television during a giant economic downturn. <laughs> Explain. Well, Donald. It's an interesting question. <laughs> um, as I was, as I was, actually it's funny, as I was racing here, I thought how funny it would be if it turned out that this wasn't a summit and it was actually just an intervention for me. Um, <laughs> Uh, or it was like in, in Goodfellas, it's like it's when you're whacked. Donald Trump's gonna have you whacked. He leads you into the room, and you see there's nobody here, and you, go, oh no, yeah. nothing we could do. Nothing we do. We never did everything we could. Nothing we could do. If I get invited to Donald Trump's house, I'm expected to see plastic lining the floor, right? Um, yeah, right. So yeah, so it, it's like it's 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 weird. Um, some of you know, might know, I'm on special report with Steve Hayes. Or, or, I'm sort of the replacement goatee for Steve Hayes. And, and Steve, Steve is a buddy of mine, and um, he does a great job. And, um, uh, and the thing is, is apparently the ladies are attracted to Steve. And he's got all, like, he goes on the weekly standard cruises, which are by far inferior to national review cruises. But um, apparently he's just sort of stalked by these cougars yeah. who are just into him. And I found that happen to me in National Review. I find it like, actually, anyway, so uh, (laughs) it's so weird that the only stalker I have is a 60-something-year-old billionaire from New York um, who, every time he takes Viagra, he just gets taller. Um, And um, because he's a Giant. Oh I, oh, I got it. 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 Okay. Uh, sometimes you, it have took, to, you have to caption yeah. things to Rob. So it and took 11 minutes for you to bring the whole room down after a very elevated conversation with America's premier financial well, reporter. Well, well, well John family. did say that this was the Ideas Valley, right? Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yes. And, um, so anyway. And there's uh, a trap door in the valley later. The sloth of despond. Yeah. This is so, where ideas go to die. So Don Trump... Donald Trump is a, has a shockingly low self-esteem for a guy who's famous for having high self-esteem. And so Steve Hayes had said something about how Donald Trump was a loser who couldn't, uh, shouldn't be taken seriously. And my theory is, is that Donald Trump mistake, mistook me for him and started attacking me on Twitter. Because I had not mentioned the guy's name in four months. I hadn't written about him in four years. And then all of a sudden, he just starts... Goldberg is such a loser. You're such a loser. <laughs> National Review right. is failing because of you. Get a life. And then the, the highlight of it was when um, I wrote up this thing for the corner at National Review, and I said he was tweeting at me like a 14 obsessed 14-year-old girl late at night. And Donald Trump, the owner of the tackier of the beauty pageants, right? The guy who um, is like like notorious. We all know who he is. Um, for like making the female contestants on that reality show, his twirl forum to decide how hot they are, decides that he's going to play the feminist and go after me. And he says, tweeting like a 14-year-old girl, that's outrageously offensive to women. You should resign now or later. <laughs> Given the choice... Yeah. Later, right? I mean, it's... But also, I mean, in an existential way, I mean, there, you, you eventually will have to resign from National Review. I mean, yeah. Is there, and from this mortal coil. Yeah, there's a point at which you're simply not going to be able to do this anymore. Right, but the idea that somehow you would feminist shame a writer for National Review yeah, right. into quitting 
because of violating feminist principles while trying to run for the nomination of the Republican Party is like wheels within wheels of cleverness that from the outside is indistinguishable from mind-bending stupidity. Yeah. And he's just so much smarter than me that I don't get what yeah. he's up to. He's like a ninja. He's like three steps ahead of you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I like, don't know. I think the guy like made a good point. It's three dimensional It works on so many levels. I think the guy made a good point. Yeah. I but, just, I mean, I just, we agree to disagree. Yeah. Uh, have you met Trump, John? I, I have met Trump, and I'm going to give you uh, a couple of really good pieces of advice if you don't like Donald Trump. Try very, very hard to shake his hand. He is germaphobic and crazy on the subject. And if you really want to get him to freak out, stick out your hand and force his paw into yours. And you will ruin his day. The Purell, the amount of Purell that will be used following this relatively conventional yeah. <laughs> method of greeting between two human beings. In fact, right. many real estate deals are closed with a handshake. Yeah. Yes, well, I mean, he... Yes, what do well... What you do instead? You, like, if you bump something, you... Is there a... No, he doesn't do a fist bump. He just sort of says... Mm-hmm. Uh, I once... I once... I was I once at a lunch... Yeah, right. Uh, I was once at a lunch that Time Magazine threw... Uh, for him, why I don't know why, but it was uh, just before he dumped his first wife, Ivana, and he said something like, "Ivana, ten years, it's been fabulous. It's our, it's our anniversary, and you've been absolutely fabulous." And literally, forty-eight hours later, or something, he was on the front page of the New York Post. You know. Uh, Doing the nasty with uh, what was her name? Marla Maples. Marla Maples. That's right. I love how people pretend they didn't know. Uh, no, I. It's a <laughs> yeah, sign of so my my intel, my my mental decrepitude that right. I couldn't pull well, so, that one. So up. just assume because this is what I like to do. National Review. I like to like pick a possible future and then assume how that future would play out. So just assume. I don't know what happens. Some, there's a virus. Just to go with it, like I'm pitching this movie. Uh, that Donald Trump is, in fact, the Republican nominee for the president. So can you imagine that weird moment where he and the, his opponent, Hillary Clinton, are both working the rope lines? Like, oh, oh, oh it's horrible. Like, both of them recoiling from actually having to touch or meet or talk to a real person. Well, he's talking to the real person, and she's got glasses and a hat on, and Huma's bringing her a burrito bowl right. from the, you know, from the rest, from the, from the Chipotle mm-hmm. down on the court. She's quietly with the hood. She probably just borrowed that line from Obama. Says, "Why can't I just eat my burrito?" That's you know, what he said about the waffles. I mean, right. if Donald Trump were the Republican nominee for president, and Rand Paul ran on as a third-party candidate, I would have to vote for Hillary Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) I would vote for Rand Paul. I mean, people keep asking me this, you know, what if Rand Paul is the nominee, will you vote for Hillary? Absolutely not. But if if Donald Trump were the nominee, I would blow my brains out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'd, you'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah, well... You would, because uh, he would come after you. I would be the Eugene V. Debs of, like, the Trump yeah. administration. <laughs> I don't know. I would have to vote. I would really have to vote for Donald Trump. 
because I would need the material. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a rhino. And I'm also a rhino. You're also yeah, a so, rhino, and yeah. he, of course, is a... Uh, so, but I, I would feel like, I mean, the problem with Hillary Clinton is she's not really... God, it's so exhausting even talking about it. I'm tired right now. I just mentioned the name, and now I'm sort of... Oh, yeah, but this God, is ridiculous, because Rob wrote the funniest piece he's written in years on the current issue of National Review, which is, if you haven't read it yet, is the talk that go- is going through Hillary's earpiece Tell by two happy. people... By two people in the in the in the audio in yeah, the audio visual truck, and then she's got an IFB. And like, you can see the IFB sometimes. Yeah, and, and, the and they're saying things like, "Go up to the baby, go, don't smell the baby, <laughs> don't smell the baby." You know it's happening. Kiss the baby, Kiss don't the... smell the baby. <laughs> she's got a team, and they're in her ear, and they're saying, "You know, don't lick the menu. That's not food, though. <laughs> it just looks like food." She hasn't done any of that, and so when you... so I think I think you think really twenty five years in public life as. As a, a figure of, of sport and contumely, and you nonetheless managed to pull an original humor column out of that, and I don't see where she's not going to provide you with sufficient yeah, I, material. I, I think there's a lot of material in Hillary. I you mean, might want to, you know, you might think actually some material that I, I might deserve a raise. I'm not saying I do. Right. I'm just saying that it should be brought up here in this forum. Right. Well, I mean, well, you know, this is Jack Fowler, as we know, Jack Fowler's 25th year, and there's nothing he likes and more than and there's raises. nothing. <laughs> and I think as 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 our gift to Jack Fowler, he should give you a raise. This is a very healing, this is a very healing space. <laughs> raise and money are Jack's trigger words. <laughs> no, but like... <laughs> are you accusing me of a microaggression? Because I... No. I feel... I'm, I would never accuse you of micro-anything. I feel... Check your privilege. <laughs> check your privilege. I will do that. I will do that. But seriously, on the Hillary thing, right? I mean, listening to her talk as if she's a populist. Yeah. Um, I, was, I wrote a column about this today. It, it's like, you know, those setup scenes in American Idol where they get the guy coming into, like, the loser, like, warbler who doesn't realize he can't sing. It's like, you know, and all the judges are snickering. And, you know, it's like, the old, it's like, a, like a flashback to the old gong show where they're fighting right. over right. who can gong. That's listening to Hillary Clinton talk like a populist. I mean, no one believes it. And it's, it's, I think it's hilarious. Okay, let's talk about something else that Hillary has done this week. So she gave a speech yesterday at Columbia University on uh, what's been going on in Baltimore and the uh, problems with, uh, with police over the last year, year and a half. And uh, it's a, a very... record of being passionate about. <laughs> yeah. It's a very radical speech in many ways. I mean, surprisingly, because she's a more cautious person than this or seems to be on policy terms. It's a pretty radical speech and talks about how the era of mass incarceration must end and, you know, there's structural racism is destroying America and all this. Um, But the most interesting aspect of the speech was that on no fewer than four occasions she pointed out that the former mayor of New York, David Dinkins, was in the audience. Uh, David Dinkins, who was mayor from 1989 to 1993, his first full year in office as mayor of New York, there were 2,500 murders, the highest number ever recorded in any city, in, not only in the United States, but probably outside of Columbia in the world, yeah. <laughs> in world history. Uh, outside of a war zone, um, and Istanbul, when the when the sultans would change, you know there was a there was a there was a pogrom in Crown Heights in 1991, and he paid for the funeral of a drug dealer 
who attempted to assassinate a cop in 1992, and the city was falling into the sewer by 1993, and he lost in a four-to-one Democratic registration city to Rudy Giuliani, right? So, so uh, even if you think that David Dinkins is a wonderful person and a great uh, path-breaking, the first black mayor of New York and all this, um, he wouldn't exactly be your go-to uh, as, <laughs> as, a, as an example of successful municipal governance. And she said at the end of this speech, David Dinkins is the kind of leader we need right now. <laughs> now granted, two decades ago and people don't remember who he is and this isn't really a gaffe because nobody cares. But, but, David but Dinkins having is the- said that, so what did she want to do? She wanted to pay tribute in a speech that is largely a suck up to black voters in the Democratic Party to shore up her base at a time when, obviously, she has fallen into terrible controversy over Clinton cash and the foundation, everything like that. And yet, she is such a stumble bum when it comes to handling these things that she just sort of picks out the, you know, the black mayor in the room and just starts, you know, fawning all over him when the last thing that anybody ought to want to do is to try to use him yes. as a model but when 7 million people in the United States, most of them not black, are going to be the people who determine who wins the election but, in but 2016. But David Dinkins is the kind of leader that we have right now. So, I mean, in the, not just down the street. <laughs> I mean, we do have that. That is what that is. That, that, that it, yeah, but, no, but a, there is a difference, though. No, but David Dinkins literally only, inspired nobody. Like that's true. Obama that's true. doesn't inspire a lot of people in this room, but there are people who got worked up about about Obama. My favorite David Dinkins speech was when he appraised. I don't know what it was from the uh, when what era. Maybe it was right after the first Gulf War. The heroes and sheroes of the Gulf War. Like really, <laughs> sheroes. Also, you don't remember. So there was a there was a t- one of the the minor uh, signs of civilizational decay in New York under Dinkins uh, was the, remember whirlpooling. This is where in public pools, oh, yeah, young yeah. black young youths would youths. swarm uh, young girls and sexually assault them and call it a whirlpool. And Dinkins' response to this was to have buttons made up that read, whirlpool ain't cool. Because what would you pin it on in the, bat- in the swimming pool, though? <laughs> I, I, um, he is the kind of leader we need now. Where do you get wait, sloganeering John, like that? We got, we got some old-time radio to do. Uh, that, that, that's a joke, son. It's a little bit of Fred Allen. Yeah. You guys, even you guys, are too young to know who Fred Allen was. That's how, that's how yeah. old that joke is. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. The mattress industry has inherently forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. This is true. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly to who? To the consumer. Why should you buy a Casper mattress online? Three reasons. One, quality. A Casper mattress provides resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. Casper mattresses is one of a kind. A new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam, just like Jonah. Cost. Mattresses can often cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin, $600 for a twin XL. That's it. Uh, $750 for full at $850 a queen and $950 for a king-size mattress. Casper understands that buying a mattress online can have consumers wondering how this is possible. Three, convenience. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. 
Casper offers free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. It's that simple. Statistically, lying on a bed for four minutes in a showroom has no correlation to whether the bed is right for you. And I think caused a restraining order on this one. That's why Casper has turned the buying process into a risk-free experience. Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality spent a third of your life on. So Casper mattresses are obsessively engineered. Just the right sink, just the right bounce, just like me. Risk-free tr risk trial and return policy. And they're made in America. USA! USA! So anybody here, any listener, you get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com. I guess that's backslash Slash. glop. glop. You can't forget that. Using glop. the code GLOP at checkout, that's Casper.com slash GLOP. The coupon code is GLOP at checkout. We thank Casper Mattresses for sponsoring this special live episode of GLOP Culture. Thank you, Derwin Kirby. Now, and that's the show, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I know it seems crazy or maybe ludicrous that you had to sit there and listen to this, but they actually pay the bills for these podcasts. And it's remarkable when they do. We had... Do you remember? Well, I don't know if we, uh, we had a, a, the coffee people. We had a coffee company, um, and they were sponsoring our podcast, and then they listened to one. Uh, <laughs> the fools. The fools. Uh, but here's what they said. Um, yeah, we don't want to sponsor conservatives. And they pulled. They, they, they pulled their, 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 their sponsorship. Um, but then but, I drove to their house and left a burning bag of dog poop on their door. <laughs> And what's funny Casper has come in because they believe in the wisdom and the value and the virtue and the seriousness of the Glop Culture Podcast. And I think that that is a noble and wondrous thing that we should all support by buying a Casper mattress. <laughs> It's what William F. Buckley would have done. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Buckley knew how to pay, make his payroll. Uh, so can we talk a little bit more about culture? Number yes. one movie in the world. One billion dollar uh, uh, counting as of this weekend. Giant opening in China. World Watch, Europe. Simultaneous opening in the United States. Furious 7. Anybody see Furious 7? Okay, that's one, two. Well, yeah. The, you, got you two. Know, the, the guy who says it, yeah. That was the... Uh, no one else? Yeah. No, two? Okay. Uh, You're not the demographic they're Did going. you like it? You loved it. Have you seen any of the Furious movies? I've seen three of them. One, two, a, and six. A preponderance. Yeah. John, I'm guessing... No, I'm, 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 I'm the movie critic on the panel, and I, I think I saw half of the second one. Because... Uh, how many times can you watch a car crash into another car and then they both just drive on as though nothing, nothing happened? I find that... Well, you've you got to see it in French. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it completely transforms it. Wait, so you are, are, you, are you snobbishly disdaining the Furious 7, the Furious, Fast and Furious uh, I have uh, this one deep block in, in my action-adventure movie going, which is the magical car. I find that I cannot suspend my disbelief with the magical car. You remember lethal, the Lethal Weapon movies? 
those cars would fly 60 feet in the air across the L.A. River gully from one bridge to the other, come slamming down, and then drive another 100 miles an hour. I do that every day, hour. John. That's not that magical. Okay. Well, so I... This, for some reason, this is the thing that I cannot get past in almost any movie. And so the, the Furious movie, the Fast and Furious movies, are entirely dedicated to the notion that cars are impregnable creatures that magically and mystically restore them. They can fall a thousand feet from a helicopter. They can jump over a truck. They can smash into a ravine. They can explode and nonetheless continue to drive. And I can't get past that. It's a weakness. I it is a grant weakness. you. It's a terrible weakness of mine. Yeah. But, and yet you would suspend disbelief about like a magic ring or a magic sword or some other nonsense. Well, well I think it's because, because I don't own a magic ring. But you didn't. Yeah. And I don't own a magic sword. <laughs> but I have a car and I notice that if it jumps the curb, the, the fender, they don't even have fenders anymore. They don't have fenders anymore. Like you hit a curb in New York City and they go, you know, and then you have to pay $1,000 to fix this piece of plastic on the front of your car. They, they're not. They're not durable, Rob. They're not durable. I can't... I, I'm, I, I think you're a New Yorker, is what I think. <laughs> Says the guy who lives in Venice, you know, he's like, salt of the earth. <laughs> Actually, you live in New York now, too. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I thought Venice was too twee. So I thought I'd New York. I, I'm just saying, this is... Everybody's got a thing, right? So it's like doctors can't stand. We're going to talk about, about Bruce doctors. Jenner at the end. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Sorry. He still has a thing. Oh, does he? No. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, think I think he still has. Wait. A so thing. Uh, spoiler wait, alert. Wait. <laughs> we've heard. <laughs> we've heard from the anti-furious uh, crowd. What, what, you don't like it? Oh, I, I think it's fine. It's mindless. Uh, but I like lots of mindless things. I, I read Salon sometimes. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, I, you know, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but I mean, to me, it's just simply the triumph of the fact that once you have a global film market, right, right, dialogue doesn't work very well. Superheroes knocking over buildings, giant monsters knocking over buildings, cars that you know you can leap out of the passenger window and loop around into the driver's window while it's going off a bridge and then landed successfully. Ghost ride the whip. That's what it's called. Ghost these, ride the whip. These things don't... <laughs> Just to use the proper terminology, I don't know why you're... These things play in every single market, right? And you don't... You have, you don't and, and culturally, it works everywhere. And, uh, and so that's why that it's successful. Isn't that, look, here, uh, uh, no, no, but there's, there's a, okay, so the, the downside of this, just to be mildly serious about this for two seconds, the downside of, of the global film market is that you have Hollywood, which has always had a tendency to be anti-American to begin with, gets even anti-American in its big mega blockbuster movies because anti-Americanism sells overseas. And so they stop making films that actually appeal to the domestic American market um, because they're more worried about ancillary profits from, from foreign markets where being pro-American doesn't work as well. And that's a bit of a problem. But it works well here. 
I mean, isn't that the problem? Is that actually anti-American movies do well here? I mean, I, Fury Seven's not anti-American, by the way. No, 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 it's not. It, they're all American cars. All American cars, and yeah. they're and they're, they're kind of cool. They the fly trans, around. That's I don't think good. the Transformer movies are particularly anti-American. They're just unbelievably horrific. Except for the first one, which was kind of funny, the Transformer movie, and then it's now it's literally just let's destroy Chicago with a giant robot that looks like a dinosaur, and then we'll destroy Denver, which is by a giant robot that looks like a snake, and you know. Well, you had me at Denver. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That works for me. <laughs> but the, the, the global uh, the global marketplace for movies, since we're talking about pop culture, that you know, American American output has been second or third. Second, always second, to Bollywood. Um, Bollywood well, the is output, but the output of Bollywood—it's interesting. Bollywood is the Indian film the industry, Indian film which makes headquarters in seven hundred movies a year. But what's interesting about Bollywood with no kissing is that the most successful movie made in Bollywood has a global box office number of seventy million dollars globally. They cost a million or two to make. The most successful movie in the Hindi language is Slumdog Millionaire, a British production which made $500 million worldwide. So that's an oddity. Bollywood, Bollywood movies are intolerable unless you are Indian. But I've seen Slumdog a bunch Millionaire of them. was just a really hilarious comedy. <laughs> I mean, it really it just worked on so many levels. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying it's laugh. an interesting thing. Like those movies are the the polar opposite of the American film that is made for an overseas market. These movies are but those movies two are, and a half hours the, long. Yeah, but the no matter what to... they're about, no matter what happens in a Bollywood movie, that like they can be there can be a vampire that is killing an entire village and then after twenty minutes there has to be a fifteen minute production number which so, someone's going, and then they all dance and they, there's a big dance number and the vampires are dancing with their victims and then it goes back to what, what, and the vampires amazing. were never dancing with their victims. They John. were That's too. They were too. In a Bollywood picture, you have all genres. It's, it's a little bit gangster, a little bit horror, a little bit musical, a little bit romantic comedy. It's all together for yeah. three and a half hours. And the movies are hugely successful. I mean, they make a thousand of them a day. Right. They're really, really big. And that's, by the way, that's what people watch when everyone says, oh, you know, our enemies abroad, um, they're watching these sort of anti-American Hollywood pictures. They're not. They're watching Bollywood movies. Now, of Bollywood, course, Bollywood, wait, biggest, Bollywood has a 90% penetration in Pakistan. Bollywood pictures have a 90% market penetration back Pakistan. They're illegal to watch in Pakistan. Uh -huh. That's how popular they are. Right. East Africa, Muslim Asia, they're watching Bollywood pictures. I'm, I, since, since the stars are not going to align properly for another thousand years, um, you know, for me to be able to get this in, uh, my brother-in-law is Indian-American, and I went to his three-day Indian, Indian wedding in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we all had to do the Indian Bollywood dancing. Sure. And so this plus or minus two thousand-year-old woman um, uh, taught us some Indian dance moves, which... And I think we'd like to see them. At next year's... At, 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 There's at, a lot of this. At, at next year's National Review Summit, when the price triples, I will put some of them on display. No, but it was all... She said, here's how you do it. And I'm not going to do an Indian accent, because that's racist. But she would do... Uh, she's like, first, there is changing the light bulb. Right? Yeah, I saw yeah. it. I yeah. saw it. And then there's, uh, and there was like a pushing the mop. And she taught us all of these things. And you just had to remember, like, changing the light bulb. And everyone changes the light bulb together. And then you push the mop so together. So it's the Mr. Miyagi dance school. Basically, and at the end of it, I could kick the ass of the Cobra Kai dojo. It was just, it was awesome. <laughs> 
Not another mattress ad yet. Right. No, not. Just, just do a little business. I, I, remember what Johnny Carson would say? We'll take, we'll, do, we'll take a short break. We'll do a little business. This, is, this crowd's old enough to remember that. We're going to take a little break and do, do a little business. We're going to be back in two and two? Back in two. That was Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery. He was a conservative. Yeah. Okay. Chuck Woolery. Anybody following Chuck Woolery on Twitter? Woo, he yeah. is right wing. I, wow. love, I love his ads on Fox News, which are like constant. Well, Here is this he, radiation reverse... device you put on your oh. knee. But... Oh, he's not, the, he's not a reverse mortgage guy? No, that's Fred Thompson. No, that's Fred Thompson. No, no but there's somebody else who's a reverse mortgage uh, you know, no. Henry Winkler is a reverse mortgage guy for liberals. Oh, really? The guy yeah. I can't stand is Teddy so Devane. Is Devane. The... Oh, Bill Devane. Bill Devane, well, the that's actor, gold. you know, the actor yeah. with the huge teeth. Will that's gold. Um, I know, but he has gold. But the thing that drives me crazy, in his gold ad, or one of his gold ads, uh, he goes into his office and he pulls out this painting and he shows you where his secret safe is. <laughs> and it's like, you're not supposed to tell the entire world in the commercial where your secret safe is. It's behind like, the portrait. You know what's amazing to me? You live in a remote area in the you desert. You know what's amazing you know? to me? That they haven't yet managed to find a celebrity endorser. For the uh, for the that really good catheterization device, <laughs> the really good I think one? that's a real opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, for if, if Hillary Jonah, loses, maybe yeah. if they need a celebrity endorse well, Jonah, I think yeah. make me has offer. a lot to say it, about it, it, look, my, my father always easy used to tell me. lubricating yeah. catheter. Would have been uh, would have been Bruce Jenner. My father always used to tell me. Well, you could you know what. He could still do it. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. Maybe for another six months. Harry's.com <laughs> was started by two guys passionate about creating a better shaving experience. Talk about the products and your experience with them. That's actually a copy that I shouldn't have read. I'm sure you're wondering, what does Harry's.com deliver? How, does it, how do they deliver a superior shave? Harry's bought a blade factory in, in Germany, Germany that had been crafting some of the world's highest quality blades for almost a century. Except for 20 years there, we don't know what they factory did. <laughs> By cutting out the middleman, the middlemensch, they can offer an amazing middlemensch. Middlemensch. They can offer an amazing shave at a fraction of the price. I'm going to lose the sponsor right now. And then, no, Harry's is actually great. Harry's is actually Harry's, great. Harry's really is great. I use Harry's. And, I use it. And John shaves his back with Harry's. It's, it's fantastic. They ship the blades right to your door at factory direct prices. Their starter set is just $15. That includes the razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or foaming shave gel. Uh, uh, you prefer the shave cream. I like the cream. You like the cream. I'm a gel guy. You're a gel guy. Uh, as an added bonus, you can get $5 off your first purchase with the code GLOP. This is, at this point, you guys are up to that. And after using the code, you can get an entire month's worth of shaving for just $10. Shipping is free. That's part of the, the thing. You don't have to actually go and buy this stuff, which is always behind, like, yeah, like, like plexiglass at the CVS. Yeah. Although I can think of one CBS where and they, you can probably get it pretty easily at this point. That's the other, um, that's the other good part. <laughs> go to harrys.com well, That's now. why they burned it down. Yeah. They burned it down because they go in and they say, can I have a razor blade? And it's like, I can't find the key. Well, I, I can't, can't find the key the for the razor blades. Can I just, let me just. <laughs> you started it. Shipping is fry. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to do that. You're not going to more uh, German? No, I'm not going to go to the fry joke. Uh, go to harrys.com now, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in the code ricochet with your first purchase. That's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter coupon code GLOP at checkout for $5 off. Start shaving smarter today. We thank Harry's. They've been with us for a long time. Yeah, great. It's a great company, and they are supporting this kind of like, uh, look, this is how we're going to win, folks. Um, no one's going to wake up at MSNBC or CBS or NBC or ABC and say, oh, yeah, we should be fair. They're not going to do it. We're going to have to do it ourselves like podcasts like this. So, right. good company. 
true. By the way, I just did want to mention that the most successful movie ever made is one of the most deeply anti-American movies ever made, which is Avatar, mm-hmm. which is an astoundingly anti-American movie, and it made two and a half, two point seven billion dollars worldwide. So, Jonah's point is, you know, it's going to be interesting. There are going to be four other Avatar movies, and it'll be interesting to see. Where they now, of course, Avatar is basically anti-human, not just anti-American, right. but it's right. anti-military, it's anti-capitalism, and it's pro ten-foot-tall blue creatures who can attach their their patooties to a uh, flying dinosaur with you a fiber optic You can do cable. that now in my neighborhood. It's not that hard. Yeah, really. Um, You're always telling me these yeah. things. He's, you know, he's an early adopter. So uh, here's he my, knows all about. Here's my, my brilliant money-making scheme. Yes. I think we should all invest. Everybody here, anybody who wants to invest, can um, uh, campaign buttons for 2016. Jenner Cruz 16. Think about it. Think about it. Bruce Jenner, Jenner Cruz. Ted Cruz, Jenner Cruz 16. Did anybody else? I mean, I guess I'm the only one watching that. 17 million people watched that interview with Diane Sawyer. Did anybody, was anybody surprised? I'm the only one who was surprised when he said he was a Republican? A Republican and a Christian. Yeah. I mean, because he, belie- he believes in the Constitution. Well, that's the Republican part, not the Christian part. Right? <laughs> well, no, I believe many people would say that you, the derivation of the Constitution is. Yeah, but I, I, fine. But we're not going to get into that. I'm just saying that the Venn diagrams aren't like wildly overlapped. No, well, I mean, you know, like at, at, I, I think I was surprised for ten minutes, and I thought, well, come, of course he's a Republican. He's a rich old white lady <laughs> <laughs> in tennis sneakers. Yeah. I mean, uh, see, here's my theory about it: is that yeah. I think that you know the Kardashians reality show, uh, they which this, you love, which I love, you know, which they had a meeting in January with the full staff and the producers. And they're like, you know, look, the ratings are down. And Bruce, we have some changes for you. Um, and he was like, crap. <laughs> I got new material. Like every actor, I got new material. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your story arc is wild this it's year. It's different. Yeah, right, right. So, you really, you think that? No, but I think God bless. He's on his journey. You know, where you know, I got, okay, I got all right, problems fine. with all that stuff. But I, I don't really want to talk about him. Yeah. I just meant that simpering, smug. Little Diane Sawyer move where she's like, uh, You're a Republican? Well, before that, she takes this right turn. Interview, the, look, the guy, I mean, whatever you think about the guy, I mean, he's doing this. That's a very newsworthy thing he's doing. And yet she wants to use it as an opportunity to say, And isn't Obama wonderful? Right. He's talking about his sex change. It's, yeah, okay. But can we just spend 10 seconds and talk about how great Obama is? And I kind of gave the guy a lot of credit for saying, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I guess that, but not the other stuff. And her, look at her face was everything you think it should have been. Everything you, yeah. you expect those people do in their newsroom, which is like, wait a minute, what? I mean, she was astonished. That, that, so what you're that saying is that Diane Sawyer is the final crime that Richard Nixon perpetrated on the American people. <laughs> because, you know, that is where Diane Sawyer comes from. Diane Sawyer was junior Miss Kentucky or something in 1972, and she, her first big job was that she was in the Nixon press office in the post-presidential disgrace period. Um, And it was there that she formed the relationships with powerful men (laughs) that led her all the way to the top. Wow. Um, 
there are a lot of bad alumni from the Nixon administration. I mean, Leon Panetta was was one of those guys too. But, but he, she, she wasn't even in the Nixon administration. She was that's the, the uh, point. She was working for him when he was, you know, po- post phlebitis. That's, that's true. A, yeah, yeah. That's a word. That's that's what we're talking about. Post phlebitis Nixon, <laughs> not even post Watergate Nixon. Yeah, yeah. In between that, the, the interregnum there between Watergate and phlebitis, there was nobody handling press. I guess. Yeah, you know, uh, Baruch Rabbi Baruch Korf was mm-hmm. uh, was was handling, was there. Was handling some guy. of the press and. Uh, so you know, this uh, doesn't that, that didn't Vince interest you? McMahon. No, I didn't get I, nothing I, from you guys. No, 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 no. no, no. I thought I thought it was hilarious. I think it's 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 classic. Um, you know, it, I half expected that this was one of like you know, sixty minutes does this kind of stuff where they actually edit out the newsworthy stuff and then they put it on their website. If you want to see the whole interview, and then lo, lo and behold, you find out, oh, they knew. Here's that where the weapons of mass destruction were. Yeah, <laughs> or, or the Obamacare website. You know, right. they knew it wasn't going to work, or Hillary. You know. So I kind of, I was kind of surprised they actually even kept it in the broadcast interview. Um, but don't you think it betrayed? Uh, for me, it, it betrayed that one thing about the uh, the other side, which is that nothing is more important than your partisan or party affiliation. That's the most important thing. This guy is talking about this, whatever you think about it, this incredible change in his life. He was on the Wheaties box, and the most important thing to her, the thing that really knocked her socks off was that he was a Republican. That, the inability to see any, any life, anything you do during the day, any like what you eat or what you drive or what you wear is anything other than an expression of your partisan political team, to me is crazy. Right. Well, that, and the reason that I think you decided to put him on the ticket with Ted Cruz is, of course, the other astonishing, uh, you know, news yeah, story. You're of, laughing. News story of the week. You're laughing. Jack Fowler's laughing there. But you know, it could happen. This is a very weird country. Well, what's his strategy for winning Iowa, Rob? That's that's really. Versus? I want to know who he's hired. I want to know if Liz Mayer has come onto his staff or not. <laughs> no. You know, you know, has he got a formulated position? Don't you think America's ready for the first female president? <laughs> Partic- particularly, maybe it's a good one if he's still in transition. Right, because it's a compromise. Because it's a compromise. It sort of a say, it hasn't quite happened right. yet. Yeah. Sort of, you know, Obama, of course, is, you know, half black and half white. Jenner is half male, half female. <laughs> It's a I classic don't know. Janice kind of situation. <laughs> exactly yeah, right. Exactly. Um, now this exactly. reminds me of. Uh, he brings I, the qualities of leadership and empathy, both. I think it's very interesting. But the Ted Cruz part, of course, is that he went to a dinner party in New York at the home of these this this uh, couple of hoteliers who well, run is that a, a euphemism. They own hotels. Hoteliers. <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with being a hotelier. <laughs> Who run a literally a gay hotel business? They run the hotels called Out and that sort of thing. And, I like the idea. Like, and they, they are. Like they any, are like there is any such and, thing as a not gay hotel business. Are you? Are you? What, Just do you go, know, go, go ahead. I'm not, I'm do not, you yeah. know something about Bill Marriott that I? I no, you know. go right ahead. Okay. You go right ahead. Uh, do you know something about Joe Intercontinental that I am even told? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but so they were interested in Cruz because they're Zionists and they like to stand on Israel. And it was not a fundraiser. It was sort of a dinner party in which they challenged him about his views on gay rights. And he said, you know, he said at the party that he would embrace his, his, one of his daughter if he discovered that his daughter was gay. 
and uh, they were subjected to the Inquisition for the crime of having Ted Cruz at their house for dinner. And their business was sufficiently imperiled by a boycott campaign that started that they made what can only be described as a sort of uh, unburdening, yeah. not, not unlike what people in the Soviet purges would be forced to say to try to save their lives from, yeah. from Stalin's guillotine. You know, it's like, I, we made such a terrible error, I can't believe, you know, after 20 years of, you know, the argument that you could make is that if you are a gay activist and you want leading American, a 43-year-old leading American Republican politician to moderate his position on the issue that is of most importance to you, perhaps you make common cause with him on issues on which you agree and attempt to move him in right. your direction right. on the issue with which you do not agree. But when did that that is rational political thinking over a long term, and what's more, when it is happen, successful. When, what, 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 what was the year? That that, ha that that pretty practical kind of, you know, anodyne political idea changed. And the idea that you would sit down with somebody that you don't like or, you're, you're, or, you, or you disagree with on one issue to try to convince them was uh, uh, unacceptable. When, when, when did that happen? What year? Because it didn't seem it, – it's fairly recent, isn't it? it well, is. 20 years ago this didn't happen. It's always been a problem, but it's, it's, we hit a tipping point in the last – Ten? Ten years, it seems like. I mean, so in which, in which identity politics not only trumps everything, not to use a verb that <laughs> trigger summons words. up. Trigger word. It's a trigger. Uh, a but not, not, not only trumps everything, but also creates a dynamic under which you are potentially subjected to being ostracized and thrown out of the of the identity that you have claimed for yourself for the slightest right. heterodoxy. And by the way, these guys Reisner and his and his partner, whose name I can't remember, they were not heterodox. They they were well, at this the dinner party time. talking oh. right. They, they were homodox. talking about the issues of gay rights with Ted Cruz whom they invited into their home because they liked the way he talked about Israel. So they were upholding the integrity of the view that they share with the people who share identity politics with them. It but is it, that you are not allowed to touch somebody. But isn't it weird because your actual apology is so obviously fake? I mean, we, we used to call it in Hollywood, we call it the, the you didn't let me finish moment. Where you sort of walk in into the, whoever the studio executive is, you're a piece, you know, I hate you, you're a loser, you guys are terrible, I'll never work at the studio again, the way you treated me is un unacceptable, and uh, I can't wait to speak at your funeral. And then the studio executive says, well, that's too bad because we just, we just bought your latest project. And then you say, you didn't let me finish. You have to be that way because a man in your position with that amount of leadership and that amount of responsibility has a 50,000-foot view. It's the, it's but the, nobody believes either the apology or any of it. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, the, it's the Larry Tateism, yeah, Larry so, Tateizing of, yeah. of America. You know, Larry Tate, who is the boss on Bewitched, and the client would say, that's ridiculous. And Larry Tate would say, you're right, it's totally ridiculous. And then he would say... But intriguing. And then Larry would say, you're right, it's a ridiculously intriguing idea. <laughs> right. Famous for saying F you to Michael Moore 
marries is to marry Bristol Palin. Now, Dakota Meyer is the second youngest Marine in American history to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. He's the, he's, he's, he's the first Marine to win, living Marine to win it in 40 years. And yet Salon sees nothing wrong <laughs> with saying that this guy is most famous for saying F you to Michael Moore, which, as we all know, going back to the Talmud, is a requirement of decent people. That's true, that's true. Um, and, and yet, that is, that's sort of the worldview that we're living in is now. And it's a problem on the right, too. You get lots of people, far fewer, because one of the things that's wonderful about conservatism and libertarianism, and now the most un-euphonious word to come down the pike in a long time, conservatarianism, conservatarianism. Um, is... Uh, you know, it's Steve Hayes wrote a great book <laughs> called The Conservatarian Manifesto. But no, it's... Um, it's I, don't really, I don't even know him, so I'm just saying that. It's, it's simply that conservatism and libertarianism are simply partial philosophies of life. They don't tell you what food to eat. They don't tell you what clothes to wear. They don't tell you what music to listen to. But increasingly on the left, they, they provide meaning for you across the full panoply of right. things. And so but I think something else, that's, that's, a, that's a sort of a... a, a an interesting sort of philosophical perspective. I think that what is missing from it wow. is the joy that people take in crushing their uh, Yeah, it's yeah, it's the it's the it, it is not enough that the country and the culture have embraced gay marriage with a speed and a you know that that, that unseen in any social yeah. issue in American history. Um, an astonishing triumph for people who, when they started advancing this argument in the early 90s, everybody, including their closest, thought they were insane, right? So they've won this incredible victory, some of which I think is attributable to a genuinely good-hearted sure. sense of, about, on the part of the American people that, you know, People should be free to love whom they like, and this is all an expansion of love, and it's all an expansion of understanding, all of that. But it is not enough for activists for them to win this victory. Their enemies, as the victory is being won, need to be crushed, need to right. be humiliated. Need, this is you not, have to bake me a this cake. This is not right. You have to bake me a cake, or I will have you find $135,000. Because when right. you said you wouldn't bake the cake and I should go to the guy across the street, I felt as though I had been morally raped, which is what this couple in Oregon said about the... For, and for right. the record, moral rape is not nearly as traumatic as rape. It's well, so much hotter. You, that's, you know what? Check your privilege again, Jonah. <laughs> but because I don't... You know, you have no... That is just the kind of thing... That a heterosexist, yeah, no, but like white in, in, in America today, the best working definition of right wing is non-compliant, right? If you just disagree, you're right wing. Right. And I have a, I have a, my favorite New Yorker cartoon, which I have hanging a big blown up one I got as a present for my wife, blown up one on hanging over my desk at my office, and it has two dogs sitting in a martini bar in Manhattan, and they're drinking their martinis, and one dog, they're both in pinstripe suits, and one dog says to the other dog, you know, it's not good enough that dogs succeed. Cats must also fail. <laughs> and that's sort of the attitude of a lot of people these days. Right. But it's not just that. You know, there's that part, which is like a... And I understand it's a kind of like, it's not enough. You have to, you know, it's like you, you, you can't just win a war. You then have to, like, chase down your enemy and kill him and kill his children so they yeah. won't come you after you later. You have to shoot later. the wounded on the battlefield. Right, right. okay. Yeah. It is also the joy that people take... 
you know, and this is obviously the very dark side of social media in which we are all participants and all that. The joy that people take in this kind of instantaneous, multi-pronged, thousand-headed yeah, attack okay. yeah, but on it's somebody. Okay, all right. And we, we want to wrap this up, too. But before we wrap it up, aren't you just really sensitive, John? <laughs> I mean, you go, you're, and the tw- I look at you, the timeline, it's like every three minutes, and then, and then it's like, then you have, it's your, I mean, once you open yourself up and roll right. down the window and say, hey, everybody, here I'm I am. I'm not talking about, by the way, I mean, like, the case of this woman, uh, I mean, Justine you could, you Sacco, could. right? So the woman, Justine Sacco, she's drunk in an airport. She tweets out a bad... Who hasn't been there? A yeah, bad, right. Well, she tweets out a, a bad joke about, about AIDS in Africa, and she gets on a plane, and it's a 16-hour flight, and as she is flying, 100,000 people who've never heard of her before, she's a PR person, you've never heard of her, 100,000 people go completely insane and, and start fired. attacking her and yelling at her, and the, the hashtag is suddenly, when does Justine land? When is Justine landing? She gets off the plane. She, she gets off the phone. plane. Her father calls her and says, you don't know what's been going on, and then the next minute her boss calls her and, and fires, fires her. her. And she has no idea that this has happened. This is one plane flight in which but okay, she is but isn't that, off isn't This is how I feel every time I get on the Acela and there's no Wi-Fi. I'm afraid by the time I get to the other side, Lowry's going to call me. Yeah. And say, Donald Trump says yeah. that you referred to a 14-year-old girl tweeting. Right. It's over. Right. So Trump I'm just, just saying. I'm just saying. It's an, it, but the two are connected. These are connected. These, this phenomenon, because yeah. there has never been an ability to sort of to commandeer thousands of people at once. But okay, but that's to a, zoom okay, in. All right. That's the Here's my problem. That's the out yeah, of if, if you play, story. If you play this game on Twitter. Of pay attention to me. Yeah. You can't then complain that, oh, well, people paid attention to me. I should No, but in this case, I'm saying in the case of the of, of, of Reister and his partner, they didn't do anything on Twitter. They had a dinner party yeah. at their house. And and so what's Maggie the Haberman reported on it in the New York Times. So what's the solution? There is no solution. I don't right. have a solution. But you know, a Facebook boycott was started and nine thousand people signed on to it in a day. And their business was in danger of being rolled up and folded away, and they had no choice. So it's not just that there is yeah, this attitude of wanting to destroy <laughs> your enemies. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here scanning like, you know... <laughs> like the Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> scanning, scanning. No, but, um, no, but what I'm saying is they, and he's not they, did, not, they did not <laughs> seek this attention. It, a story was right. reported, and there was this... Instantaneous war made on them. Right, okay, that right, 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 right. was going to destroy them. But, but here's the That's b- new, yeah, that you can commandeer troops like that. that that's fast. absolutely true, but it's not funny. But are they, yeah. I don't right. know that it was supposed to be funny. No, I know, but that's what we're in the let's wrap start, up let's start. Let's start doing Nazi jokes about our, about our sponsors. That, <laughs> that's, that's really funny. Hey, 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 I, German jokes are not Oh, Nazi yeah, that's Nazi right. Jokes. Hate speech. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say this, is that there, the, the, the good news about all this is that everyone can be a star. So if you have a child, as you, we talked about the other day at lunch, if you have a child under a certain age, they're, they're, their stars are not stars on TV, they're stars on YouTube. Um, and that's good news because anything that breaks the logjam of the dozen people in the world who decide what's on, what's on the movie screens, what's on the TV screens, what you listen to, is good. It's good for us. Once it's uh, once it's a free for all, we have a chance. So 
yeah, I'm sure there's also weird little vigilante groups that are not really vigilante groups because real vigilante groups carry torches. These are just like, I don't know, people on tour tweeting. Right. But any, anything that takes that little effort is not really that scary. But I don't know. I feel that's scary. When liberal fashion now, out in paperback, was coming out, I was freaking out because all these people were attacking me. Adam Bellow, who's going to be talking here tomorrow, I believe, he said to me, hey, look, you've got to look at this like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World. It's kind of scary. It's kind of jostling. These animatronic things can lunge out at you, but they can't actually hurt you. Um, and that's how I view so much of this stuff. Um, and at the same time, I, I mean, I'm very sympathetic with John's point of view. I, I mean, I do think we are witnessing what possibly the end of Western civilization. Um, <laughs> but I'm reminded of this is a great story at AEI where um, Irving Crystal and Robert Bork were watching the Clarence Thomas hearings on TV at the office. And at some point, Bork just slams off the TV in disgust and says it's the end of Western civilization. And Irving takes a long drag on his cigarette and goes, of course it's the end of Western civilization. But that doesn't mean one can't live well. <laughs> uh, and that, I guess, is a good place to end. Um, That's all I was going for. Uh, thank you. Um, we thank you for listening. We thank you for the Reagan members for coming. We thank you for listening to the Ricochet Podcast. You're listening at home. Thank you very much. Uh, check out uh, Casper's Mattresses. Check out uh, Harry Shave. Uh, and whatever you do, um, live well. Thank and you very much. And subscribe to National Review. Subscribe to National Review. And subscribe to Commentary Magazine. <laughs>
Thank you.